Hello, and welcome to Hoops Hour, hosted by Hoops Hour. This is episode 7. It's Thursday, February 8th, 2024. I hope everyone's doing all right. It's a nice, uh, calm, sunny day where I'm at. I hope uh, there isn't any torrential downpours or something where you're at and uh let's let's talk some basketball got a good uh a good assortment of things to talk about hopefully we don't um you know breach the two hour mark like we have uh the last couple of episodes the the episode five six whatever it was that was an intent that was intentional last episode it was very much not intentional to be that long. Anyways, um, so yeah, I got uh, lots of updates and things to talk about that have happened around the uh, NBA. I want to talk about some all-star stuff, a couple of teams I want to talk about. Um, and then as of 13 minutes ago, the trade deadline has officially passed. That's why I'm recording this a little bit later in the day than uh, from when I usually do. Usually I'll record it a little earlier. Not that it really makes that much of a difference, but I waited till it was past three because the trade deadline was uh, uh, is today at three. So yeah, I wanted to make sure all all trades and moves and whatnot uh, got got in so that we can go over all of it. And I'm just going to kind of rattle off thoughts about it, but we're going to save that towards the end of the episode. So we're just going to hop in without any further delay. And uh, yeah, the first thing I want to bring up is a uh, injury update for Zach Levine, who has played 25 games this season. I didn't even realize he'd like come back, to be quite honest. I don't watch the Chicago Bulls. I'm waiting until they are done with whatever they're doing right now. Um, but he's going to be out for a significant amount of time. He's having surgery on his right foot. Should be out about four to six months. Um, last played on January 18th. Um Considering where the Chicago Bulls are and the fact that they should and should have just blown it up like a year and a half ago, it's very likely that we have seen the last of Zach Levine in a Chicago Bulls jersey. If if not, it would have to be at the beginning of next season. And I'm going to be honest, if they still are holding on to Zach Levine after a full summer has passed... I would be I would be very very frustrated. I kind of already am frustrated in this franchise, but that would just be taking it to another level. Just just insane. Um, the next uh, injury update I want to um, talk about is for Mitchell Robinson, big man on the Knicks. Um, surgery on his uh, on his ankle injury, and we hadn't gotten really much of an update on him in a little while. But per Tom Thibodeau, this is coming you know straight from the uh, head coach's mouth. He confirmed that Mitchell Robinson is progressing, and uh, right after All-Star break, he will be doing on-court work, so that's very exciting for uh, the progression of his injury, and really looks like his timeline is going to be a little bit smaller than many of us thought. We were, um, He could be coming back pretty soon, which is uh, really, really cool, but always, I always want to preface, I don't like bringing back players just for the sake of bringing them back when they're totally not ready to be brought back, so the Knicks are fine. Mitchell Robinson, take your time. Come back when you're ready, buddy. Um, the next thing I want to talk about in uh, kind of an add-on to all this offense and all this uh, crazy scoring explosions that we've seen, and obviously last episode I had a big conversation about that, but we got another one literally like that night, the like night after I had recorded um, last. Yeah, I recorded on, well, February 2nd. This happened on February 3rd. Um, Steph Curry had a 60-piece. 
He dropped a 60 against the Hawks in another loss. I mean, that probably says more about the Warriors, but especially all these 60 pieces happening and then the team ends up losing. Um, just kind of find that a funny coincidence. But yeah, 60 piece in an overtime loss against the Hawks. Um, and man, I don't think a, a game better summed up Golden State season more than this game right here because you have Curry absolutely going off 60 on pretty good efficiency obviously like you're you're kind of chucking at a point but no pretty decent efficiency but no one else showed up I mean uh Kaminga was like the only other dude who had like a decent game Lester Quinones off the bench he had 17 points the second highest on the team uh Clay was like four for 19 or something awful awful game everybody else just nobody showed up and they lost to the Hawks so yeah man we should uh we should start seeing some 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 moves this summer with the Warriors. Uh, yeah, the next thing I want to talk about is the Bucks really quickly because, uh, as we all know, I talked about this. They hired Doc Rivers to be their next coach and uh, you know get them to another championship. And so far, it's going mm, just about as well as everyone could have imagined. The Bucks are one and four in the Doc Rivers era including, but not limited to, a 19-point blown lead against the Jazz. Now, I do want to put it out there. In addition to the fact that I don't really care about like the first five games after a major change, like a, a completely new head coach, um, so I, ultimately I'm really just teasing about this. But also, if I was to put like a you know an ounce of like actual like hmm, what's uh, what's going on here uh, into this uh, five game span for the Bucks, admittedly it has been a road trip, so you know it's a little different than like coming into a team and then like blowing leads at home. You know, it's like ostensibly like just a little different and seems like slightly a bit less embarrassing. Um, but yeah, also a little fun fact for people who like just random fun facts about basketball or the NBA. The Bucks lost to the Suns on Monday, Tuesday, on February 6th, which was Tuesday. Hello, buddy. Um, the loss against the... I. Oh my god, I fucking knew it would have been on a Tuesday because of literally the fact I'm about to say. Their loss against the Suns on Tuesday, February 6th, was the Bucks' first loss on a Tuesday since 2021. They've been on they had been on a 26-game winning streak, the longest single-day streak of all time in NBA history. I just thought that was a really funny one. Um I mean, man, you go you go almost you know, three years without a loss on a Tuesday, and then Doc Rivers comes in and goes, it's Taco Tuesday! We're gonna lose this game, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll keep updating, um, with the, with the Doc Rivers era, and the Bucks, and how that goes, um, but they'll be alright. They're at the top of the standing still, or whatever it is. They'll be fine. Um, the next thing I want to bring up, this thing, this was a, uh, a, a piece of news that was kind of going around uh for the past like week and a half and now is unfortunately will no longer be any news um but it's this tony snell stuff that's been going on um if you frequent online uh like nba fan like spaces you probably know what i'm about to talk about but this just kind of troubled me and really disheartened me um and made me a bit angry and i wanted to talk about it um so if you don't know what the situation was basically tony snell Tony Snell is a uh, is a, a former NBA player. He's still like active. He just hasn't played really. Um, I think he's like 30, 35 maybe. 
33, sorry, 32. Oh, shit. Anyways, he hasn't played uh, since last season, I believe, or whatever. But he's played nine seasons in the league. Um, Tony Snow has two autistic children. In fact, through their his children's diagnoses, he found out himself that he is autistic and is one season removed from being eligible for benefits for his children per the uh nba's kind of like healthcare package for like former players or whatever uh negotiated by the players union i imagine or whatnot um so he he needed to to in order to be eligible for said benefits for his children for you know life or at least until they're adults or whatnot he needed to have played for 10 seasons Tony Snell has played for nine seasons, so he was desperately looking to pick up a contract to sign with a team for the rest of the season. Originally, I thought like a 10-day would do, but apparently um, he was needed to have been signed for the rest of the season, Um, and no one wanted to sign him. No one signed him, and the NBA did not make an exception, Um, and on a practicality standpoint, that really makes me pissed off because there are plenty of teams around the not plenty, but there are certainly teams around the league who could add could just tack on a veteran presence to their bench for the last two plus you know three months of the season with very little consequence. Um, and yet, no one pulled the trigger, no one made said move, and um, and now Tony Snell will be going without those benefits and that really really angers me and upsets me um for a a numerous amount of reasons you know first off the 10 year the 10 season threshold is already a very conscious decision on behalf of the nba the vast majority of nba players don't get anywhere close to playing in the league for a decade so making the threshold that far out is a very deliberate and intentional thing i want people to realize that they easily could have made that a five-year threshold if they were genuinely interested in making sure that their former players were taken care of on a much larger scale. It's a decade. It's ten. It's ten seasons. Whatever. Um, and you know that's again they want to be able to take care of as few people as possible, hemorrhaging uh, uh, the bets that they're not going to have to pay out for a lot of people who make it to ten uh, to ten full seasons and. It's really frustrating that a guy can kind of um, fulfill everything that's asked of him over his contracts, over his nine-season career. And this dude who gave you his his body, his life, again, for nine years, got so close to this one thing, and you're just, you're just not going to help him out. And that, that pisses me off so much because the NBA loves to position itself as this family oh you know the nba it's really just this one big family but you won't even help out one of your own kids i mean one of your own kids who's done a lot for you who's played nine seasons done everything that was on paper for him to do per his contracts showed up every day probably on days where he definitely didn't want to and gave it his all and then you're just going to kind of spit in his face when he goes, hey, man, like I'm just like a little little short of this. Can you help me out? And just nothing, you know. And also the reactions to this were really disheartening to see online. A bunch of apathetic assholes who just, you know, you know, boo-hoo, cry me a fucking river. You know, Tony Snell, I don't give a, you know, I don't, I don't give a shit about him or his kids, whatever. He made $50 million in career earnings, whatever. Or he can get a job, whatever. And... 
to be kind of charitable. I think that's just kind of fundamentally missing the point here because this isn't really about like, oh, rich guy wants another handout or something. If that's your reading or assessment of this, you're just kind of, you're, you're missing the point. The point, this is, this is really like a labor issue, all right? We're getting into it. This is really like a labor issue because again, you have a guy who has given so much, worked for nine years, and they are still withholding benefits for his two autistic children and himself to an extent. Um, and he deserves that money. He, he, is, he should be owed that money, but they have made this threshold far out of reach for the vast majority of people who will ever suit up for an NBA game. And again, that was intentional. So I, the way I see it in my mind, this is something Tony Snell deserves, is owed even. Um, and it's really not about how much money he has or has not made or over his career, uh, or, or in general has. And that's also another thing people don't understand. 50 million in career earnings does not mean you took home 50 million in career earnings, you dummies, all right? Also, we don't know how many people Tony Snell is taking care of. When someone, listen, let me, let me just like really, really broadly put it this way. If I got signed to uh to the nba for like a 10 million dollar contract and let's say i was taking actually home 10 million i'm not just like sitting by myself you know oh i'm gonna buy a crib and and kick it with my 10 mil you know i've got first off i've got like loans and shit but i've also have family who i would like to take care of who i would like to pay back for the years of taking care of me there's so many different things especially if i was to have come from a really downtrodden position and and made it to the to the status of having NBA money. I'm trying to rise up people with me. I'm trying to bring up people with me. I want to buy my mom a house. I want to buy my dad a house. I want to buy my brother a car or whatnot. Like it's way less simple than just like this one individual having fifty million uh, and then like wanting more or something. So honestly, that whole story um, upset me, and the reactions to it as well really kind of disheartened me. Um, I hope. At some point, maybe they um, amend this or retroactively give Tony Snell benefits or he's just maybe able to get picked up Um, because, you know, right now, you know, we're living in a world where even someone like Tony Snell, who has uh, seemingly escaped uh, a lot of material conditions and and bad things uh, like the average person because he has made it to the NBA because he has made NBA money, um, still to an extent has to work for health care. I mean, in this country, you just have to work for healthcare. You have to give your body in order just to get healthcare to be provided, uh, uh, to just not kind of be left out to dry and die. Uh, and that's, if you, if you think there's nothing wrong with that, you should really do some reassessment. Uh, yeah. The next piece of a uh, little news thing I want to talk about before we get into segments is, uh, is this stuff about the all-star weekends led court, um, what the hell happened to hardwood? Am I the only one who's like shaking my head, scratching my uh, my brow over this one? Um, so I have a I have a tweet that states all of these features. Um, so I'm gonna read off through that really quickly. Um, this is so, so sorry. Um, so this is from the NBA. They they tweeted this out on uh, on Monday, I believe. Top of the week. Uh, NBA unveils state-of-the-art LED court for All-Star 2024 events taking place at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, unveiled state-of-the-art full video LED court that will be used for events, um, including 
all the things basically. The high performance immersive sports floor is designed to enhance the fan experience in arena and on broadcast through its interactive displays during each event visual effects displayed on the court will include the following design and color changes so we're just going to see a constant uh, uh constant rotation of colors and graphics going along on the floor uh live replays and other video content so the floor will be broadcasting a image from somewhere else that was showing that was that was capturing the floor all right uh, real-time game stats, that's kind of cool. Location-based player tracking animations, I don't really know what that means, I'll be honest. Interactive games for fans during timeouts, and immersive animations following key plays and moments. So, I've got to be honest, I, uh, I'm... It takes a little bit more than dangling shiny new technology or, you know, flashy set of keys in front of me to, uh, to get me to forget about the bigger picture here, which is this is supposed to be about the the theme to All Star Weekend this year is supposed to be about a, re- a return to normalcy and a focus on the actual substance of the events, and this is just the most typical like corporation that thinks tech will make these events better instead of again addressing the actual issues or substance of the event, whatever it is, um, and. You know, they have a bit with, like, the All-Star game, putting it back to an East-West instead of drafting them live 10 minutes before the game, and then none of them are really having an opportunity to, like, warm up or go through the uh, pre-game motions like it's a real game. So, obviously, they go out there, and it's just a, sh- a, 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 a shoot-around for fun's sake. If you want it to be, like, a real game, you got to give these dudes, like, an hour prep time and, and let them go through their normal routines and whatnot. They're doing that, but... Now there's just going to be a holy eyesore on the floor the entire time. I don't know. I'm not really for this one. Um, I, I just want I want the game, you know, and I want it to be a really good, memorable game. Um, and I think a lot of this sounds really, really distracting. Um, I don't want to see a bunch of graphics going on. I can't even, like, tell what's happening. Um, I think, obviously, we need to see how it works first. So, you know, I, I, I let everything have, like, one try. So we'll see, you know, before I say, um, like, definitively, like, yeah, no, nah, this ain't it. But, like, on paper, yeah, no, nah, this ain't it. So, yeah, um, it, it just sounds like a... Also, there's just so much advertising in the NBA already you know, I don't need, I don't need more of that, which absolutely will happen. You know, you're just like, it just sounds, this sounds like the Vegas sphere just becoming an NBA floor. And I hate that idea. All right. We all, you know, it's just, it's just yet another thing to sort of get chipped away from the game, from the event, from the, the product, and then shilled off and brought to you by insert some corporate sponsor um and so i i i hate the idea of like oh let's check out that bucket again and everybody like has to move out of the way so that you know uh the chef boy rd highlight play of the game can be blasted on the on the on the hardwood on the hardwood uh floor i don't know not into it um but we'll see i suppose I'll, i'll keep an open mind for now um, and then the last thing I wanted to say before we get into these uh, to these segments is to just take a step back and go, damn, we're really 50 games into the season. That is crazy. I remember very vividly waiting for this season to start. I was so excited. It's been a pretty wild season so far, and I cannot wait for the playoffs. I mean, I think about them uh, every day. Every time I see something that just 
is, you know, one team getting better or one team has made it higher in the standings. All I can think about is, man, I cannot wait for the playoffs. Um, and being 50 games down is is wild to me. It's it's going it's going a little too fast. Even though I'm very excited for the playoffs, that's all, all obviously what we all want. It's going a little fast, man. Can you can you slow down? Can you not grow up so soon? 2024 season, please, please. It's already like bordering on mid February. I can't take this anymore. All right. So speaking of the All Star uh, game, the All Star events, and just All Star weekend in general. Um, I want to talk about some all-star snubs or just kind of bring this conversation up for the uh, for the fun of it uh, real quick. I don't have like a ton of uh, people who are applicable to this conversation, but we did get the all-star uh, reserves announced. And so everyone's uh, we, we know what the game is going to look like now. And obviously with that comes naturally people going, hey, what about this guy? So figured I'd talk about this for a second. The first thing I want to mention is we got... Not just Jalen Brunson as an all-star reserve, but Julius Randle made it as well. So, you know, Knicks fans, we win. Um, there was a bit of like a, eh, you know, Randle might not make it. Although, 25, 10, and like 3, bro, you get, that's an all-star. That's an all-star. I don't care. Um, way better, like, statistical production than some of these other guys, but not the point. Um so I wanted to mention that first. Also, Jalen Brunson is the first Knicks point guard uh, to be in the All-Star game since Mark Jackson in 1989. So a 35-year drought is over, and all I can really say to that is I love you, Jalen Brunson. Thank you so much for being the point guard of my team. Um, and also, you'll be in the three-point contest, so that's pretty cool because you're averaging 41% on six-and-a-half attempts. Sounds good enough for me. Um, so, uh, yeah, just... Every time I see something like that, just uh, the, all the, uh, the the rush of emotions of appreciation I have for Jalen Brunson come come right back to the top. And uh, who would have known that happened? And also him and Josh Hart are starting a podcast, starting a podcast. Let's try that again. Uh, roommates, it's called. The Roommates, something like that. I think the first episode might be out or whatever, but they've got really funny um, dynamics. So if you're Knicks fans and you haven't heard about this somehow, um, go check out The Roommates podcast, I guess. I'll be checking it out probably. Um, so yeah, want to talk about some potential all-star snubs and, uh, or at least guys I think kind of deserve a shout. Um, I don't know how many of these guys I would actually have given a spot over somebody because, you know, if you're going to say a, a player was snubbed, you kind of specific, like, you're going to use the word snubbed, I guess, specifically, you kind of got to present who you think they should maybe have that over. Um, but these guys all at least deserve to have been in the conversation or had consideration, yada, yada, yada. So, um, the first, the first player who was going to be at the top of this conversation, um, but has made an all-star through an injury reserve was, uh, Trey Young, who I think needs no kind of explanation for why he's averaging 27 points, 11 assists. Yes, the Hawks aren't good, but whatever. Um, and then also Scotty Barnes made, um made the all-star game through injury reserve. So those are your injury reserves. Shout out injury reserve also. Um, and look, I get it. The Hawks are the 10th seed. The Raptors are the 12th, whatever. But I really think all-star selections um, is just the one thing where team ma- uh, team winning just shouldn't matter. Um, it's such a, a, a glamorous kind of star-oriented thing all-star weekend in general that I think the best way to represent that is with the dudes that are getting buckets, having really good individual seasons, regardless of an outside kind of context. Um, you know, everything else you can consider team record and impact on winning basketball, but 
an all-star, it just feels like, you know, even if you're on the worst team, if you're balling out, you should, you're, you're an all-star. I don't really know how to say it. So, um, yeah, Scotty Barnes and Trey Young are in. Um, but besides that, uh, someone who I think definitely deserves a shout is Kristaps Porzingis. I would have had him over Jalen Brunson, at least. This is one dude who I, at least, I do have a, a case to present for maybe someone he could have been over, um, especially on his own team. I just think on a game-to-game basis, Kristaps Porzingis, when he's playing, is uh, is more important to the to the Celtics. And also, uh, if we're going to do like uh, just statistical thing here, I've got uh, Jalen Brown here, uh, 22 points, Mm, just under four uh, assists, five and a half rebounds, or 27, two, and two blocks on really, really good efficiency, um, being like the rim protector for that team or whatever. So um, I don't know. Just I think he should maybe get a, uh, a shout. Also, Lowry Markinen, who's one of my favorite players in the entire NBA, and uh, I mean, it's just kind of cursed and subjected right now to be playing on the Utah Jazz, which means you're really not going to get talked about no matter what you're doing. But the Finnish sniper has been having another great season. You know, it doesn't look as wow as, as last season, but that's because he had a explosion, 10-point increase, most improved player kind of thing. But he's averaging 24 points, um, 8.6 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, and a, blo- uh, a half block a game on over 50% from the field and over 40% from 3 as a 7-footer, too. I mean, we're talking about one of probably one of the – I know it's like a smaller sample size and, you know, some of the other guys whose careers have played out longer, but Lauer Markkinen is one of the greatest big man shooters of all time. When you consider the variety of shot selection from beyond the three-point line, it's not just like, oh, here's a seven-footer who can space the floor and, uh, space the floor and uh, hit some catch-and-shoot shots. No, this dude can can generate them off the dribble. Ridiculous. I love Lowry Markinen. Super fun player. The finisher. Um, and I think he deserves, you know, at least I'm not going to go through everybody and, like, you know, dissect who maybe he deserves over, but I think he deserves a shout, all right? Um, this one, this one's a, this is kind of, I'm really scratching my head about this one. Um, no De'Aaron Fox or DeMontis Sabonis, which just means there's no representation for the Kings at all, which, I don't know, that seems kind of crazy to me. Um, here, we'll read off their stats real quick, um, just as their own individual case here. De'Aaron Fox, 27 points, four rebounds, five and a half assists on 47% 47% from the field, 38% from three, and DeMontis Sabonis, I think, is out 20 and 10. Yeah, 20. Oh, he's leading the league in rebounds. I forgot. 13.1 uh, rebounds, eight assists, shooting 43% from three. I mean, what's going on, guys? And the and the Kings are, like, the fifth seed. So when you look at, like, uh, uh, the, the Lakers, for example, they're the ninth seed flirting with the 10th, and they got Anthony Davis and LeBron. Um and in fact, LeBron's an all-star starter, you know, and I love LeBron, but um, it's kind of hard to to justify, like, giving a ninth seed two spots and a fifth seed no spots. I know that kind of is in direct uh, contradiction to the thing I was saying, but that was just my own personal opinion. Clearly, they influence, like, clearly the all-star uh, selections this year have an influence to team record. Um, Damian Lillard getting an all-star starting spot, for example, is because he's on the Bucks, I mean, you can't really make a case for him 
just as himself, I don't think. But, yeah, I think it's really weird that the Kings didn't get any representation here. I hope uh, at least one of them makes an All-NBA team by the end of it. I know I'm pretty sure Sabonis made All-NBA third team. Um, but I think De'Aaron Fox has been really, really slept on this season. I mean, he was averaging 30 for the longest time. But still, 24 and 5.5 and on really good efficiency on a winning team. Um, arguably got better as a player. I don't know. Deserves deserves it, in my opinion. Um, and then the only other guy who I think is like, hey, you know, we should have him in the conversation is uh, is Jamal Murray. Obviously, the Nuggets are like the third seed. I don't know. The West is a uh, uh, is a brutal dogfight right now at the top with the teams going back and forth. Same with the East, actually. But yeah, the Nuggets, um, third seed. But I'm pretty sure they're literally tied with um yeah they're they're tied essentially with the Timberwolves at 2 and the and the Thunder who are at the top um but yeah he has only played like 37ish games so he's missed you know 15 or whatever but 21 points 6 and a half assists on uh you know 47% from the field 40 and a half percent from uh from 3 85% from the line playing like an all-star yes deserve it over some of the other guys and maybe not. So, yeah. All right. So, I want to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers for a brief moment here because um, we have some huge news as it uh, as it pertains to their season. Um, and that's an injury update uh, for Embiid. I left it out of my sort of top of the episode uh, news segment because I wanted to, um, to then talk about Philly after this. Um, and so Embiid's out, obviously we know that, and he's to undergo corrective surgery on his left meniscus and a recovery timeline is expected after the procedure, but expectation is that he will miss an extended period of time. The 76ers are hoping that's in the one to two month range, but it could be longer, especially if a full repair is needed. Um, and so as that pertains to the 76ers, you know, they've already slid down to the fifth seed after being top three for, you know, 99% of the season so far. Um, so I think the question a lot of us are asking, and I'm sure even w- internally at, within the 76ers organization, um, what does the rest of the season realistically look like for them? Um Again, I'll always mention this. The most important thing is that they shouldn't rush Embiid back, uh, even if there is a likelihood of him being able to come back before the end of the season. I just... Only if he's okay, too, all right? Only if he's okay, too. Um, But also, he could be out for the rest of the season. Just maybe he straight up needs that, uh, and playoffs included. Maybe he just needs that. Um, Or maybe he comes back just in time for the playoffs, which... You know, if I was a 76er fan, honestly, at that point, I'm not sure how confident slash happy I would be by Joel Embiid's return, watching my MVP star kind of come back off of a pretty significant injury just in time for a first-round series against, I don't even know, you know, it really kind of depends on where the six, uh, the Sixers are, are sitting, but against a top team, um, likely, and I don't know, it just kind of sounds like a recipe to either... Uh, get bounced in the first round or have that star get severely injured again and both kind of would have me holding my breath as a Philly fan Um, and regardless either way whichever way it ends up going it doesn't matter best case scenario still has Joel Embiid out for the majority of the remaining regular season at best which means it's up to the remaining Sixers to uh, sort of hold them at the highest seed possible for them um, in 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 before Embiid returns, sorry, because um, 
to that last point, you know, if if the Sixers are like the seventh or eighth seed, um, what exactly is the point to bringing Embiid back just to get wiped by like the Boston Celtics or Milwaukee um, or shit, even the Knicks um, or hell, even the Cavs? They've been on a hell of a run and currently are the two seed, but it's also like a half game dogfight um, at the top there, so. Um, yeah, it could be any, any assortment of, uh, Celtics, Cavs, Bucks, Knicks, um, and if a 76ers team is coming in and Joel Embiid's, like, just suiting up or whatever, like, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'd even want him in that. Let's just take the season off kind of thing. Let's re, let's reboot later. Um, but it's not kind of, you know, it's not end of the world stuff because the, the Sixers are still a, a very deep team with elite three and D wings. Um, sure, there are a lot of injuries, so take this with a grain of salt, but looking at their depth chart, if we just kind of like ignore injuries for right now, um, they've got a pretty strong lineup. Um, here, hang on. Hang on. Yeah, pretty strong lineup. They are missing right now DeAnthony Melton and Nick Patum from that lineup, um, which I'm pretty sure has Kelly Oubre, and um, I'm not sure who's who's taking uh Batum spot. It might be KJ Martin um, because I know I know Uber is playing a guard right now. Um, but anyways, they have a pretty solid lineup if everybody's you know uh, healthy. And I don't think any of those injuries are major, so should be good on that front. The Philly uh, Philly are still the sixth best offense and the ninth best defense. Both are likely to fall, yes, but you know uh, this is a good 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 chance that those stay at least uh, above sort of middle of the pack or are on the uh the higher end of that uh you know 15th 16th spot um and then you still have you know Tyrese Maxey who's one of the best guards in the Eastern Conference no there's not a dominant tier 1 player who's you know going to just straight up will you to wins um it could be a Tyrese Maxey kind of guy but i think he's still a little young and this is his first season like as um as a lead guy so I don't want to put the pressure on him to sort of be like oh don't worry Tyrese is gonna make sure that the Sixers stay as like a top four seed or whatever for the rest of the season without Embiid like I don't really think he's on that level quite yet um and especially if they weren't in the playoffs uh, or especially if they were in the playoffs without Embiid Tyrese Maxey obviously isn't like the guy to like win a playoff series um and and take them on a run by himself so no they don't have that like tier one player but still um a guy who can get you regular season wins for sure um and there is a bit of a buffer between the sixers and the sub sixth seed teams you have the pacers who have been on a win streak admittedly from when i wrote that note um so they're uh, a game and a half back of the sixers um but the pacers who are at the sixth seed could likely overtake them in time um very possible um so you know, question is, would they be able to then keep the sixth seed at that point and avoid the play-ins for the rest of the season? Um, next up would be the Heat or the Magic. They're kind of um, flip-flopping right right now between the seventh and eighth seed. Right now, it's the Heat. Um, they could certainly go on a run and uh, and take that spot and bounce the Sixers into the play-in conversation. Um, it really depends on how long they are without Sixers. Uh, they are without Embiid at that point. I keep mixing up Joel Embiid and 76ers. Um, but yeah, that's that's going to be a big question in terms of just how far they might fall as well. How long are they going to be sort of in this position? So it's definitely going to be a team to keep our eyes on. Um, you know, it, it sucks, man. Not just for Embiid's case, um, for like another MVP or whatever, but 
the 76ers looked really good. They looked better than ever in this, like, process era if it's still considered that um they could have definitely easily made it over that second round hump and gone to the conference finals um and maybe still can if fully healthy um I do have them kind of like a tier below like a Boston or Milwaukee however playoffs are playoffs matchups are matchups and you know it's uh, a lot of the times getting far in the playoffs is really more of like a a battle of attrition and uh who's even you know, the the last man standing, not necessarily the best man standing, the, the last man standing maybe just got got lucky and, and didn't get injured and had a, you know, healthy lineup or whatever, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this team, absolutely, I don't think it's like out. I don't think their season is like washed, um, but definitely going to be a, a team that we need to keep an eye on uh, as the next like two months specifically go on before Embiid maybe comes back or we know for sure that like, okay, He's either coming back for the playoffs or this season's a wash. So we'll keep an eye on them, and if they start to fall uh, dramatically, we'll we'll definitely be talking about them again sooner than later. All right, heading over to the West Coast for this one. I want to talk about the Clippers. I've I've been saying that I've been meaning to talk about the Clippers, and uh, it's time. I don't have any crazy groundbreaking thoughts about them, but I've just really been needing to talk about them because they are such a fun team. And uh, I'm really excited about everything the Clippers got going on right now. So, um, you know, this is kind of a bit of a letdown because I don't know who won last night, but they knocked the Clippers off of the first seed in the West, which they were. They're they're currently .5 games back of the first seed. So, you know, it's essentially really just all uh, in the air in that, like, top four in the West. Um everyone's insanely close it's a matter of one team here losing and then this team gets bumped up or whatever so like you could ostensibly say that the Clippers are at the top of the West doesn't really matter that they don't hold the first seed right now they have likely will again at some point for some duration of time but the Clippers are at the top of the Western Conference um they lead the league um on both ends of the court not like literally but they're tops of the league uh they have the third best offensive rating this season and the 13th best defensive rating um not particularly worried about that defensive rating thing because uh the Clippers are a pretty old team but they can most certainly play like a top 10 top 5 defense maybe even uh when they absolutely need to so um 13th best defense in the regular season sure maybe like 7th best defense in the playoffs when they're like all locked in not so much worried about that that defense that can that can be a very circumstantial thing the offense though is where I'm like okay this team is like this team is serious um, and then leading that charge, you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who are both all-stars, um, and especially Kawhi, I want to talk about um, because of his availability and insane consistency um, and just quality of play so far this season. I want to share with you a, uh, a stat courtesy of Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, this was tweeted on the 6th, so Tuesday. Um, so, you know, I think they've played one game since then, so... Sorry, but these are basically still relevant. Um, in the past thirty Clippers games, Kawhi Leonard has average or has had has a twenty five and five record. So first, the Clippers are twenty five and five in the last thirty um, with Kawhi Leonard, um, and Kawhi Leonard's been averaging twenty six point four points on fifty seven percent from the field, fifty one percent from three, and ninety two percent from the free throw line. Kawhi Leonard is the first player to average 25 points on 55-50-90 shooting splits over any 30-game span all-time in NBA history. 
So the level of play and the level of consistency from Kawhi is uh, is is elite among elite at the moment. Um, this is this is the dude we've been like wanting for a long stretch of time since like 2020. This is the dude that we're like, oh yeah, no, this is one of the best six, seven, eight at most you know players in the league. This dude can get you to a championship. Um, it's been awesome to see. Um, I love just in general when there's a player who's injury ridden uh, or, or cursed with that over their career to just have them see them have like a good healthy stretch um, playing well is always nice. But especially when they're doing it on a contender, um, putting up, you know, borderline career numbers offensively, um, being absolutely lethal efficiency wise. Um, it's just really awesome. And Kawhi Leonard is one of my favorite players. So, yeah, it's really cool there. Um and the Clippers as a whole, man, this team is stacked. They have a legit eight or nine man rotation for the playoffs. Your 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 starters, um, James Harden, Terrence Mann, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Avika Zubac. And then off the bench, Russell Westbrook, Norman Powell, Amir Coffey, Mason Plumley. Those are nine dudes who are definitely all going to be getting playing time in the playoffs, are going to be part of the rotation. Maybe not as much Amir Coffee, but regardless, everyone else there will for sure. Um, and they also have six double-digit scores, which is I think, and four of them are the star are starters. Um, so the ball's moving; it's everywhere, and I think that's one of the biggest parts, especially as it pertains to a team that has a big three, a big three like Kawhi, Paul George, and Harden. It's very easy for them to, like we've seen on other teams, um, just sort of be like, all right, we're just going to like generate everything and put up like 90% of the points and uh, and we're all just going to like max out. It's just, it's just going to be us. And then everybody else just, uh, you know, figure your shit out kind of. It's not really how it's been. They've been playing very unselfishly, averaging pretty calm numbers relative to their capabilities. Kawhi's at 24 for this season, Paul George 22 and a half for this season, James Harden 17 and a half for this season. Um, but they're doing it on really great efficiency, like literally career high efficiency for all of those guys. Um, and so it's not just them spamming shots and, as I said, trying to kind of will uh, victories into existence because it's like, oh, well, we've got three stars, so we'll just do everything like. No, it's they're they're not losing uh they're they're not losing the uh the blueprints. They're not losing the context that the team sport and we still need to get everybody else involved and I think that's that's something that really hinders the max potential of of some of the big threes we've seen in recent memories. Um cuz it's just been a little too top heavy, if you know what I mean. Um those guys just trying to do everything a little bit too much and forgetting that ultimately if the playoff series is going to be a 3v5 battle, it kind of doesn't really matter how good those three are. Like they'd have to be doing something truly like unreal uh, to to you know mitigate the fact that like you're not really getting your entire team involved, or you just don't have a team really outside of those guys because it took a lot for you to get the big three or, or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, Clippers look very deadly, very serious, and um, I think I think Harden uh, while he's been great 17 and a half points um eight and a half rebounds or assists apologies i don't really give a shit about james harden's rebounding numbers um although if you're curious i might as well say them because i uh five he's, he's averaging five rebounds cool um but he's he's out he's averaging like 43 percent from three i believe uh sorry this spreadsheet is really large 
uh, 42.5% from three. Um, as I was saying, for career high efficiency for everybody, uh, Kawhi Leonard's at 45.6% from three on the season. 45.6? Are you serious? Paul George is at over 40%. Um, James Harden again, 42.6. And Norman Powell at nearly 45%. So they're all just incredibly efficient, moving the ball well. Um, and I do think Harden, you know, while he's been playing great, does kind of remain the wild card on this team as it pertains to, like, the playoffs, um, at least as far as, like, play goes, you know. Um, I think you can say the same about Paul George to an extent, for sure, uh, in terms of definitely having some shaky moments in the playoffs, but I think Harden has more so had that entwined in his um, career uh, to a more substantial degree, might I add. Um, so I think he kind of remains the more, you know, we're, we're like, we're, we're praying this kind of production keeps up. And also just in general, because I think it's a bit more significant if your point guard has a drop-off in the postseason rather than, you know, what Paul George is to this team, which obviously is still one of the two, three most important players, but doesn't necessarily need the ball. And he's not, it's not, it's not Paul George PG point guard. It's just PG Paul George. So yeah, hopefully that wasn't horribly cringe. Anyways, um, I have a lot of faith in this team, though. That's really uh, that's really the gist of it. I mean, I don't think outside of a healthy Denver Nuggets team, uh, it's I don't think I'd take anybody in the West over the Clippers, um, which means I would love to see a Clippers uh, Nuggets Western Conference Finals. I hope the seedings align so that they can meet in the Conference Finals, and one of them doesn't have to get knocked out in like the second round. Um, I think that would be like the best possible series out of like, you know, adding in the Thunder or Timberwolves to that top four conversation. I think Clippers Nuggets would be an incredible conference finals. And just in general, I love the story behind this team and the idea of this team winning a championship, that being the Clippers, you know, all these LA slash greater LA area dudes um, on the little brother of the LA teams historically been counted out coming together in the twilights of their respectively incredible careers. You know, they've done amazing on their own. The, the Clippers roster has two MVPs, four MVP finalists, uh, two defensive player of the year awards, to the same player and two finals MVPs also to the same player. But regardless, um, there's a lot of talent on this team. These guys have all had amazing careers coming together and uh, bringing the Clippers a championship. I just think that would be really, really awesome. And um, also, this is the last year that the Clippers are sharing an arena with the Lakers. Um, so it would be kind of really funny if like on the way out, they were like, yeah, we're going to take a chip though. We're going to take a chip to our new arena. Um, it could be even cooler if they were to win like next season in like you know it's like it's it's their first year in the in their own crib and they and they you know hang a banner in that first year that would be really cool but also this team is like old and injury prone so beggars can't be choosers and best to seize what's available in the now <laughs> um so uh if if the clippers should just you know maximize what they've got going on instead of going now eh, let's wait until we're in the intuit dome um yeah so i just think there's like a great story behind this team um, a lot of fan favorite players, um, doing it right. And, uh, you know, health is really the, the, the wild card and, uh, remains sort of the determining factor as always for a Clippers team, uh, for this Clippers team in this kind of era with these stars. Um, and I really hope they're able to make it happen, you know?
if if it was between like the the 2020 Lakers ring and like a 2024 Clippers ring, um, I feel like that Clippers ring might mean a little bit more to the city of LA. So, you know, I'll be I'll be rooting for you to make it to the finals, Clippers, and my Knicks will see you there. All right, and now we're gonna move on to our trade deadline segment and talk about all the things that have happened basically within the past like 12 eight hours um everybody you know nobody panic lots of moves the nba has low-key drastically changed in the past few hours um so i'm just going to be rattling off a bunch of these moves and sort of giving my thoughts on them as we go um and yeah really without further ado without any delay um let's just get into it there's a few that there's a few moves that happened before just this most recent like morning afternoon uh, that I want to talk about really quickly before the flurry of moves that were obviously made right before the deadline. Um, first up, that being uh, the Grizzlies trading Steven Adams to the Houston Rockets for Victor Oladipo and three second round picks. Um, I did not expect this one. I'm going to be honest. Uh, per the Woj report when this came out, uh last week actually this this specific announcement happened a couple hours after i stopped uh filming last episode this i feel i swear like that always happens something happens thursday evening or on friday that i have to then wait like a week to talk about but uh per that was report they said that the rockets front office um believes adams brings the toughness and leadership that coach ime adoka craves for this team yeah we all know the rockets are kind of a struggling to or are just slowly in a metamorphosis period growing out of that aau ball style and um, team identity into a serious professional adult nba team um and that steven adams can still impact the game in a limited role behind alperin shengun and listen for the rockets i think this is great i you know victor oladipo has not played a game this season so you're not really losing anything on that front and then I'm pretty high on Steven Adams, you know, in a very limited kind of context. Obviously, Steven Adams is not like one of the best centers in the game, but as a defensive board crashing big, Steven Adams is one of the best you could find around the league. So I think, you know, just what the Rockets front office are hoping for that toughness and leadership and, uh, you know, even more of a defensive identity kind of being imbued into this team. Uh, I think it's a good trade for them. The Grizzlies, I have no idea what you're doing um, with Victor Oladipo, really. I mean, you might just wave him. Um, three second-round picks, that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. I also don't like this trade for the Grizzlies because they don't have much big man depth. Um, even if we like just pretended everybody was healthy, Jaron Jackson Jr. is just someone who, you know, I will give him his flowers for sure, but I'm going to need to see more of him. I'm just sort of like a, a disbeliever at the moment. He doesn't do a ton for me uh, in the way he does for other people. Um, so I, I personally feel like I need to see a little bit more of him in the playoffs because he got eaten alive last year. Um, and then other than that, what other big man depth does the Grizzlies have? They have Brandon Clark, who's like a four, I think, and is six ten, so that works. But um, he's like a shooter. He's not a he's not a, a rim protector, you know. So I thought Stephen uh, Adams had actually quite a quite a good amount of utility on this roster. But he's on the Rockets now, and uh, wallahi, I guess. 
Um, the next one, also the Memphis Grizzlies, they've been kind of active. Um, they're trading Xavier Tillman to the Boston Celtics. Uh, Xavier Tillman is uh, um, should be a backup 4-5, but he's been starting a lot because of the um, the Grizzlies being basically a G League team this year. Um, so trading Xavier Tillman to the Boston Celtics for two second-round picks, one in 2027 via the Hawks and one in 2023 via the Mavs. Um, I don't have a ton of thoughts on this one. I mean, Xavier Tillman is a good defender and a pretty good rebounder. Um, and it's a bit more front court depth for the Celtics who without a Kristaps Porzingis are pretty shorthanded in that category. So, you know, I like this trade for them, I guess on paper. I mean, I kind of roll my eyes every time anybody gives anything more to the goddamn Boston Celtics because they're the most loaded team in maybe NBA history. Um, that's, that's excessive. That's excessive. We all know that's the Warriors. We all know that. But outside of that, the Boston Celtics might be again on paper. Um, cause what it results in varies drastically in terms of really um, stacked teams across history. But I mean, the Boston Celtics should not need anything more. If the Boston Celtics do not go to the finals this year, that is a starking damnation of, of the team that they have. um, And particularly who it's led by granted, he's still young NBA greats did not win a championship until their late twenties, a lot of the times, but also a lot of the times those NBA greats did not have insane situations and teams catered to them that were ridiculously deep uh, for essentially their entire careers, the same way Jason Tatum has. So while I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's only like 24, 25, like I get it. There's also very few NBA players who have ever gotten as many like freebies to the conference finals at least as jason tatum has um so i mean this team is it's just so loaded i mean these are basically the only kinds of trades that the boston celtics can make the only things they need are like you know tweaks to like their their seventh and eighth and ninth man in their rotations into the playoffs uh because they've got everything else sorted out so for them works for them and uh i mean i like the grizzlies getting back picks because i think their future is very uncertain, um, and they were not a championship core, really, uh, or they were not a, a true contender, really, for the two years that they were the second seed, um, even with a healthy John Morant, so I think they clearly needed to make some big moves. Anyways, I like them getting picks into the future because, again, it's very uncertain, um, so sure, whatever. Give that trade a thumbs up, I suppose. Um, and then the last one that had happened before the flurry this uh, this afternoon, this morning, uh, was the Timberwolves are sending a 2030 second round pick to the Pistons with Shake Milton and Troy Brown as a part of a deal for guard Monte Morris. Um, so I, I definitely don't have any real opinions on Monte Morris. Uh, I think he's like decent. Um and does he have some size? Is he like no? He's six two. Never mind. I thought he was like six four at least. Um, anyways, he's played six games this season uh, for the Pistons and only eleven minutes. So I, there's literally no sample size for this uh, current season uh, to go off of. But he has in his career been a pretty decent shooter. And uh, you know, I guess the Timberwolves want more ball handling or at least shooting um, from a guard. So. I'm sure they see some value in it and uh, good for them. The next big trade, and I don't know how to feel about this one, guys. I'm going to need some talking into. 
um, a little bit, not really. It's it's a great deal, um, and I'm very happy as a Knicks fan. But I, it's it's bittersweet. That's really all. Um, so the the Knicks have made a deal. They've made a trade with the Detroit Pistons to acquire Bojan Bogdanovic and Alec Burks um, in exchange for Quentin Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, Ryan Archidiakono, and two second-round picks. So, first off, what are the Knicks getting? Well, the Knicks are getting two great shooters, um, two over 40% shooters this season, um, and uh, a, a good backup guard in Alec Burks, uh, for for Jalen and for even like a, a DiVincenzo if he's starting kind of deal, um, and then they're getting Bojan Bogdanovic who has been averaging twenty this season. I didn't even know he was up to averaging twenty. I remember the last time I talked about the Pistons in like su- in in substance, he was averaging like seventeen. He's made it all the way up to over twenty, over twenty points a game, uh, two and a half assists, forty one and a half percent from three. As a Knicks fan, it's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. I've talked about Bojan and how I uh, wished so, so much for him to not be on the Pistons and advocated to great lengths for him to go to a uh, to a contender where he can truly be uh, valued or appreciated for his value and didn't know he was going to come to my team, my contender, but I will take it. I am elated by Bojan Bogdanovich being a Nick. Um, Alec Burke is someone who... I, I'll just admit, I'm not as high on Alec Burke as a ton of the Knicks fandom seem to be. I'm, I get he's he's a former Knicks guy, so it's always like funny when a Knicks dude kind of comes back to the Knicks. Um, and, you know, that's always cool. Once you're Nick, you know, I'll rock with you usually uh, going forward. And it's not like I don't rock with Alec Burke, so let me make that clear. But I, I just, I don't, it's, I don't know. Outside of the shooting, I don't think it's like a crazy needle mover, but maybe that's, that's all, you know, maybe... Just that is a needle mover. Maybe I'm very open to be uh, proven wrong. Um, and it's, again, it's not even really being proven wrong. I'm just sort of like, eh. and uh, in general, him for Quentin Grimes, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, okay, so <laughs> you're like watching me kind of like actively work through this. Um, the one concern I have about this trade, outside of just being sad that we're losing Quentin Grimes, um, the one genuine concern I have is what this means for like our perimeter defense, um, because I'm sure Alec Burks can uh, chase a chase the ball handler or whatnot, but Quentin Grimes was in an elite category in terms of being a point of attack perimeter defender, um, and I'm not sure you're really getting either uh, that from either of Alec Burks or Boyan. Obviously, um, you know two great valuable starters over. Uh, or sorry, a great starter and a valuable backup is worth trading one beloved backup. Um, but I am kind of like, you know, if we're if we're in a in a series in a playoff series against you know an elite All NBA guard, um, who's going to be chasing that dude all the way around and and screens and stuff? I know like the obvious answer would be like a an OG Ananobi, but outside of OG Ananobi. Where is their like really good perimeter defense from the Knicks right now? Um, maybe I'm completely underselling Alec Burks and Bojan Bogdanovic's perimeter defense. I mean, I I did I haven't watched the Pistons game in a while, so you know maybe there's something there. But um, yeah, I don't know. Bit of a bit of a concern for that front. But other than that, wow, this is 
uh, a pretty incredible trade to get a shooting of this caliber on a roster like this. I mean, I keep saying it, man, but the Knicks are going to the conference finals and I will be there. I will be there. I've been saying it since before this season and, you know, for a while it wasn't looking like it was going to happen. Um, but we're, 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 I mean, we're just so, we're just so fucking back, baby. Let's go, New York. Um, okay. Enough with the silly dilly-dallying. Let's talk about the this uh, crazy flurry of trade, shall we? So I don't really have like a, a great <laughs> way to do this. Um, I'm kind of just going to be going back and forth between the feeds of the two premier um, news uh reporters uh big story breakers in the league that being adrian rojanowski's twitter feed and shams uh sharania's twitter feed um as they compete to be the most invasive journalists on planet earth by knowing when moves are going to happen before players or executives even do because they don't seem to think there's anything wrong with calling people 8500 times a day and being incredibly nosy and essentially selling off information we don't need to talk about that. As a journalist, I have my own opinions on these, or as like a as a person who went to journalism school, uh, I have opinions on these two individuals as journalists. However, what cannot be denied is uh, is the 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 product, and the product is breaking news at a at a pace we have never seen. So I'm I would be very hypocritical or just lying if I said I didn't rely on these two inf- individuals for a lot of information. So. Let's get into it. So we talked about Xavier Tillman. We talked about Monte Morris. Um, what else do we have here? So, okay, this was a big one. The Indiana Pacers are trading Buddy Heald to the 76ers for Marcus Morris, Furkan Korgmaz, and three second-round picks. So um, I this is a great trade for the 76ers. I think Marcus Morris was probably the least impactful out of the uh, Robert Covington and Nick Batum uh, and Marcus Morris, uh, three wing kind of package they got in exchange for James Harden from the Clippers. Um, and so I think it's fine losing Marcus Morris. Um, Nick Batum has been by far the biggest contributor there for Concorsmas, uh, successfully frees himself from the 76ers. If you don't know, for Concorsmas is a, is a, a, a bench warmer, essentially a rotation guy. Um, okay. Let me not call him a, a bench warmer without seeing how many minutes he plays a game. Oh, he plays eight minutes a game. Never mind. He's a bench warmer. Um, sorry, I was I was trying to be a little bit charitable, but no, he's a bench warmer. Um, I thought he was maybe slightly more of a significant rotation piece, um, and maybe he has been in seasons past. Whatever. We're not doing a deep dive on Furkan Korkmaz's minutes and stats because it's not necessary. But he has been uh, trying on multiple failed attempts to get himself traded. I think in general he just wants a, a bigger role, and they've never needed significant minutes from a Furkan Korkmaz. So um, happy for him, you know, to, to go to another team. And uh, and I'm pretty sure he's a good shooter. So, you know, yet another great recipient for a Tyrese Halliburton kind of play finisher. Yeah, I mean, Furkan Korkmaz... Uh, 39% from the field last season, or from three last season, 35% uh, this season. He shot 40, uh, 40% in his career before, 38%. So, you know, good shooter, good size as well, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, um, I, 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 he might be able to put the ball on the floor a bit even, too. I've seen it happen. Um, I don't know how, like, uh, in a large sample size if that's a really good thing, but he's done it. I've witnessed it. Um, but the big thing here, obviously, is Buddy Heald going to the 76ers, which, man, that's 
that's pretty cool. Buddy Heald is uh is an electric offensive player. Um, one of the best three point shooters. I mean, you might just have to say of all time, considering he's been an elite three point shooter out the gate, and he's been in the league for going on like seven, eight years at this point. Um, he's shooting thirty eight and a half percent right now. Um, I think it's I think it's best in general that he's off of the Pacers. Definitely felt like he was kind of the odd man out. He's averaged a career low in minutes this season at uh, just over fifty five or. 55 minutes what is he wilt chamberlain in 1962 um 25 and a half minutes um putting up only 12 points but again 38 and a half from three um so he's still a sniper i think i think he's gonna be really good on the sixers i think in general it's it's kind of like a fun uh setup i think he'll probably if i was to look at a okay yeah we're, we're just we're doing it we're doing it i don't care you know Sometimes it's nice to have all of this stuff planned out so that you look a little bit more professional, but other times you just have to get into it like this. Um, so, as I said, Kelly Oubre is like a small forward, power forward, but he's been playing shooting guard, I believe, in replacement for DeAnthony Melton. But now you can throw Kelly Oubre back to the power forward uh, in exchange for Nick Batum, who's also out right now anyways. Um and play Buddy Heald at the two. So I think a backcourt of Maxi and Heald is pretty crazy. I can't wait to see a two-man of those guys, um, specifically Maxi creating for Heald. Um, and yeah, I mean, this definitely is going to help keep the Sixers um, afloat in Embiid's absence. And I don't know, a, a move like this kind of makes me feel like, are the Sixers pretty confident in Embiid's return and they're stocking up for the playoffs because they know they're going to be there and there's going to be a good chance for them to go on a run? I don't know. We'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, I like this trade. I like seeing Buddy Heald on a uh, on a contender, you know, because, as I said, he's been a bit of an odd man out on the, uh, on the Pacers. All right, so the next one is the Utah Jazz uh, finalizing a trade to send Kelly Olynyk and guard... Uh, O'Shea Abaji, I hope I pronounced that right. I talked about, I mentioned his name once in a YouTube video, and I spent a while making sure I had his name right, but I've forgotten how to pronounce it 100% with 100% confidence, but I'm pretty sure it's O'Shea Abaji. Um, if I did not pronounce that right, I am sorry, O'Shea. Um, but, and Kelly Olinick to the Toronto Raptors for Kira Lewis. Otto Porter, who I honestly, I did not realize was still on the Raptors. I knew he was on the Raptors last season, but I did not realize he was on the Raptors this season. Um, and a 2024 first round pick, which probably won't hold that much weight because the 2024 draft uh, does not look like a historically deep um, pick uh, or, or a lot of players. But anyways, this is, uh, this is an interesting one. Um, these are both two teams that I have like absolutely no idea what they're doing. So I don't really know how to judge this one. Um, because it's, it's, it's all about what that player is going to be able to do for you. And that's how you kind of grade like, oh, well, this team won this trade. Cause you know, they got this guy who they really needed and they got rid of a guy who they didn't need. And he's not going to be doing much for that team. But I don't really know what either of these two teams are attempting to do. They're both too good to be tanking and too bad to be like actual really relevant or competitive. Uh, the Raptors are the 12th seed and the Jazz are the 10th seed. So, yeah, I don't really know what they're doing there. But uh, Kelly Olynyk, I, I like Kelly Olynyk. That's really my only opinion on this entire trade. Um, the next one, 
Now, this is going to be big, guys. Um, the Oklahoma City Thunder finalizing a trade to send Trey Mann and Davis Pertans to the Charlotte Hornets in exchange for Gordon Hayward. So, the camp counselor is leaving the camp. The one, like, veteran guy on the Charlotte Hornets is leaving and going to a contender. Um, and... Yeah, that's really all I want to talk about because I don't care about the Charlotte Hornets. They are my least favorite franchise in the entire NBA. Um, if anybody wants me to expand on that, I, I could for a mini segment at some point, but I don't really have much else to say other than they are just a deeply unserious franchise, um, not committed to winning. But uh, So this is going to be a cool one. I mean, Gordon Hayward's been putting up 15 points, 5 assists, pretty good. Uh, efficiency, I guess, 36% from the field, uh, 47% from, from, or 36% from three, 47% from the field. I can do that. Let me slow down. Um, end over a steal game. So I'm really excited to, I, I just, you know, players who, you know, can impact winning at a high level. You just hate to see rotting away on bad rosters. So even if Gordon Hayward is not, you know, the Jazz Gordon Hayward or the Boston Celtics Gordon Hayward, where he was averaging, you know, close to 20 a game, uh, this is still a dude who's for sure going to be giving some valuable minutes to a team that is just continuing to to progress and become more and more of a serious contender. Uh, so, yeah, can't wait to see what that looks like. Um, I, I think the the Thunder are a team that definitely could, you know, were, were in need of maybe making like a, a, a mini move uh, to, to kind of up their, I think, offensive uh, capabilities. Um, so I'm excited to see this one. Uh, next one we'll mention is the uh, 76ers are trading Daniel House and a 2024 second round pick via the Knicks uh, to the Pistons. Um, I do believe that they are waiving Daniel House, uh, the Pistons, to make like salary cap. Um, in general, per Woj's report, this move gives the Sixers the salary cap cushion to sign buyout players post-deadline, including possibly... Uh, Kyle Lowry, who's been sitting on the Charlotte Hornets, um, not playing. Um, so maybe that's a thing. I don't know, but yeah. Um, we went through Alec Burks, obviously coming back to the Knicks. Um, the Washington Wizards nearing a deal to send Daniel Gafford to the Dallas Mavericks for Rashawn Holmes and draft compensation. Um, I think this is a pretty good one because the Dallas Mavericks definitely were in need some, uh, or are in need of some, some big man presence some big man energy um and uh, while i don't think necessarily daniel gafford's like one of the you know best players in the league he is a very athletic 610 play finisher who can play defense so that's cool and shoots 70 percent from the field you know it's all around the rim shots but you know 70 percent is still uh pretty good even for big men um around the rim you know post players uh so yeah, sure. I'm a, I'm a fan of this one for the Mavs, and I I I need the I need the Mavs to be in a winning context. I I mean I can just I can't stand looking at uh Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic balling out on a goddamn eighth seed. Um, regardless of the fact that it might be partially to their like responsibility, but we don't need to talk about that. Um. We went through the uh, the Knicks trade. I don't know if I mentioned, but they're also losing. Uh, yeah, I, I did, but I want to say it again. Uh, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, and Ryan Archidiakono are leaving the Knicks. Um, 
evil Dante DiVincenzo was leaving, we got like an accumulative like 35 minutes from the dude. So I don't really have any much uh, much to say. But since you were a Nick, I will wish you, uh, you know, f- fair fair waters as you sail on to your next destination, young lad. Evan Fournier is getting freed from the Knicks. Um, he has not played all season. And Ryan Archidiacono, um, he's getting waived by the Pistons. Um, so. I don't really know what's up there. If we traded him and they knew they were going to waive him, why'd they want him? Uh, maybe it was. Maybe they're just going to sign him again. I think there's there's a lot of feelings within the Knicks community that they're just going to sign Ryan Archidiakono like in the off season or something um, to pick him back up. He is a part of that like Villanova uh, chemistry core. Obviously, the most important of them are Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart, and Dante DiVincenzo. But Ryan Archidiakono was like the senior at Villanova when they were all playing, so he's he's part of that kind of family and a part of that like uh community and i think he added to that like chemistry and uh is a big part of the reason like the vibes are all really good so i hope that doesn't like suddenly you know go away or something after the you know the the unsung hero of the villanova core on the knicks uh is is no longer there um and maybe they'll pick him up again but yeah um let's keep it moving um because you know we don't need to talk about the knicks anymore um, don't really care about draft compensation. Okay, so the Raptors are sending uh Dennis Schroeder to the Nets in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie. Wow, what a mid-off. <laughs> um, actually, I'm actually kind of a fan of Dennis Schroeder. Um, he balled out last summer for Germany, winning um finals mvp i'm pretty sure of the euro uh of 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 the fiba world cup excuse me um absolutely balled out um also was like pretty good when he played for the lakers obviously there's a meme that he turned down an 84 million dollar contract extension just to sign with them again a year and a half later for like three mil um and he will forever be clowned for that um and probably rightfully so but regardless he he's a pretty good player um uh, this is again another one of those trades where it's two teams who I have absolutely no idea what their what their goal or, or plan is. So it's hard to uh, it's hard to kind of analyze this trade or really grade it at all. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie is kind of a player I have mixed feelings about. He's been good at times for sure. A lot of people think like he's just been a bad player like all the time, and I don't think that's necessarily true. However. He has been bad this season, I'm pretty sure. Um, hasn't so he's been pretty, you know, he he's been living up to his Spencer Din shitty name uh, uh this season at least on below 40% from the field, 32% from 3. Um while playing 30 minutes a game um in almost all of the next Nets games so far. So, yeah, he's been pretty pretty bad so far this season, but um I don't know. Just so hard to to grade any of these trades when um when you have no idea what the plan of these two teams are um, and in addition Thad Young is going to the Nets uh along with Dennis Schroeder so that that's a, an amendment Woj made it's an amendment I will make as well um next up the Charlotte Hornets are finalizing a trade to send P J Washington to the Dallas Mavericks in exchange for. Oh my god, I lost my marbles when I saw this one a couple of hours ago. Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a first-round pick. First off, didn't know P.J. Washington was worth that much, but okay. I like this trade for... um, I like the addition. Let Let me change that. I like the addition of P.J. Washington on the Mavericks for the 
uh, same reason as a as a Daniel Gafford, but to a bigger extent because I think PJ Washington will probably be better, um, or even is better. I don't really know. I don't watch Hornets games, um, but I know PJ Washington is pretty good. So he's he's kind of adding some um, some front court depth there that they can definitely use, but. Um, I don't, I don't know about losing Seth Curry. Um, he's had some of his best games in a Mavs jersey, maybe not so much this season, um, but in past. Um, and I get that he hasn't really done much on this team. He's, he's played 35 games so far this season, but only averaged about 13 minutes a game. So clearly was, uh, struggling to find significant time in uh dallas's rotation so if you're not going to use him lose him i guess that's sort of my mentality like you know give him to someone who actually is going to use that player if that if said player is like good like seth curry i believe is um and i get that grant williams was not really working as much for the dallas mavericks as they thought but whoever made this trade like did grant williams sleep with your with your girl or something because i just think there was no need to do him like this and send him to the hornets absolutely no need i'm so sorry for your loss grant um good luck out there man or or hopefully you're able to uh to to be maybe bought out and and a contender picks you up or something uh i I would like to see you on the bucks even to be honest um but yeah i don't know uh, interesting to see PJ Washington on the Mavs, I suppose. Speaking of the Bucks, however, this is not the biggest like weighted trade doubts happened at the deadline, but maybe my favorite one, which is the 76ers are trading Patrick Beverly to the Bucks. Oh my God, they are really looking to uh, to create one of them, one of them ones, one of them teams. Um, I mean. I like the point of attack defense that Patrick Bev uh, brings. Obviously, he is one of those players that uh, yeah you, you hate to to play against, but you'd love on your team. Um, and I he, I think he certainly is that. Um, and definitely, I think he's definitely going to revitalize a bit of that like defensive identity. Um, he's a dude who doesn't you know really give a shit about telling it how it is to like the star player, even though he recognizes that he's just Patrick Beverly or whatever. Um, because Patrick Beverly is a dog. He's worked all his career to to still be in the league uh, at this moment is a testament to Patrick Beverly's determination and work ethic because he is not a particularly um, talented player. He does not possess uh, great size or shooting or handles or passing or literally anything. Um, however, he has worked incredibly hard and maintained a status as a quality rotation player for I mean, as long as Patrick Beverly's been in the league, which I think is going on quite a while at this point, so that's a that's a testament to that. And I think that kind of energy is something that the Bucks could could certainly use. Um, so, yeah, Patrick Beverly's been in the league since 2010. Um, so you can't you can't knock at a guy who doesn't have any like um, gifted thing. You know, he's he's not like a, a six seven point guard. And you're like, okay, well, he's always gonna have a fucking spot in the league or something like that. This is a 6'2 backup defense first guard that sits in a corner and spots and shoots, and he's managed to work and find a spot in the league for going on like 14 years. So shout out to him, um, like in general, I guess. And also, I, I, I think Patrick Bev in a in a Bucks jersey is going to be, oh man, that's going to be something. I can't wait to see that. Also, him and Dame are now teammates, so, you know, this is going to be a really interesting one. 
Uh, the Spurs are trading Doug McDermott to the Pacers. That's it. That's the entire tweet. So that's all we have to go off of there. Um, uh, I mean, cool, I guess, for the Pacers who could also use some front court depth and the Spurs. Um, I don't really know. I mean, I think Doug McDermott is not as good as like um, – I don't know. He's, he's averaged 15 minutes a game, six points. Um, he's a pretty good three-point shooter. I'll say that. 44% from three. Did not know it was that high. I knew he was like a decent shooter, but I did not realize it was that high. Um, yeah, I mean that works for uh, that that works for the Pacers certainly, who are looking to be building up quite a list of uh, shooters. Losing like a Buddy Hield, six-four, you know, 40% three-point shooter for a six-six three-point shooter who um, plays similar positions um as like a small forward to power forward instead of buddy heels like shooting guard to small forward um so yeah getting back some of that um and the pacers will be sending uh, the spurs a future second round pick so we'll see how that goes um this isn't really information as far as like a trade it's more of information that a trade will not be occurring for anybody who was wondering which is that the atlanta hawks are keeping Dejounte murray they're keeping him no trade for DeJounte Murray, no trade for the Hawks on that front, um, which I don't like. I disagree with um, the Hawks are uh, on pace to just miss the playoffs entirely. DeJounte Murray is a good, fine player. Um, look, they experimented. They experimented with a Trey Young DeJounte Murray back court. It is clearly not worked. Apologies, I think I just hadn't reached like a limit there. But anyways, what I was saying is uh, that backcourt obviously is proven not to work. I think they should move on for it. And right now, DeJounte Murray's trade value is pretty high. He's been having a really decent season. He's had like two or three game winners. Um, he's had some moments, you know, things that keep players kind of like being talked about positively in just sort of like the the public consciousness, if you will. Um I think this would have been a good time to trade DeJounte Murray, um, but but they're not, so whatever. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are trading Robin Lopez to the Sacramento Kings. Um, Lopez is expected to be waived and become a free agent. The Bucks are also sending cash in that deal, um, which I don't really know how that uh, I wonder how that works. Like, are they just like sending a briefcase with cash in it? That'd be fun. Obviously not. I'm being stupid. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Robin, Robin Lopez is like... Um, is like <laughs> is Brooke Lopez's Thanasis, if that makes sense to everybody. Uh, Thanasis is the older brother of Giannis and is solely employed in the NBA because his last name is Antetokounmpo. Um, he is funny enough, like a fucking physical specimen, Thanasis. I mean, he's like six seven, but he bounces out of the gym and is a hell of an athlete, just like Giannis. But he is genuinely one of the worst NBA players, uh, especially in terms of just like a an IQ game sense. Um, if you haven't seen the like uh, the Nasus Antetokounmpo uh, compilations, you need to watch them. They've genuinely put me to tears from how funny they are. Um, he's he's the funniest dude in the league unintentionally. Um, and Robin Lopez is kind of Brooke Lopez's version of that. Robin Lopez is uh, Brooke's twin, if you don't know. Um, and looks exactly like him as you would expect with just like long hair which is pretty funny and um is also a center they're both seven one instead of uh Giannis who's you know seven foot and Thanasis who's more of like a wing size um they're both centers but you know if you thought Brooke was a bit stiff uh Robin Lopez is uh even more stiff and um 
you know, I don't really know what he does. He's a bit of a play finisher. Plays. I mean, he's he plays. You know, ten minutes a game. That's the kind of guy he had. The uh, he is. Last time he played substantial minutes was uh was seventeen minutes for the Magic two years ago. Um, in which you know he has fairly good efficiency, but he's a low roll, low impact kind of player. So we're not going to put too much uh, thought into it. But I don't know. I uh, I hope I hope the Lopez brothers will be all right and uh, Brooks okay with this. Um, the 76ers are trading Jaden Springer to the Celtics for a second round pick. Um, don't really have any thoughts, uh, particularly on Jaden Springer. Um, I think he's been, uh, a bit of an upside young guy. Um, he's averaged, never mind, four points on pretty subpar efficiency, but granted on less than 12 minutes a game. Um, so he's going to the Celtics. Um, I don't, I don't really know what this one's about. He's a small forward shooting guard, um, which is definitely not something the Celtics need. Um, it's very possible that they're gonna like wave him and are just trying to like open up some some salary, uh, some salary cap or whatever. Um, but yeah, this this whole segment is really like testing, <laughs> not like my ball knowledge, but just like if I even have opinions on some of these dudes, which I mean I just kind of like don't. So I'm gonna, I, I'm I'm gonna try to give thoughts, but also like not not like milk it and pretend that I have something to say about a trade that I really don't. Um, something I do have a, something to say about is uh, the Toronto Raptors are keeping Bruce Brown Jr. No trade will be happening on that front. Again. Don't don't know what this context is in because I don't really know what the Raptors are trying to do. It feels like they're they finally accepted that they need to um, blow up their roster, and move on from that championship uh, core from 2019. They traded OG Ananobi, they traded Pascal Siakam, um, and they're sort of like re maybe they're just like retooling it with like a Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett, quickly, Bruce Brown Jr. Uh, core i don't know i i talked about how i feel like bruce brown might uh after next season when his two-year uh deal is done maybe go back to the nuggets um so i don't know you know i don't know how uh how beneficial it is to keep bruce brown if he's only going to be here for like a season and a half also i don't think he's been like amazing for the uh for the raptors so far um in his in his duration there also the raptors are like the 12th seed so um yeah i don't know about this one i feel like this is a, a moment in time where you probably could have gone uh, on the higher end for Bruce Brown because I think for a lot of people, they still have that Nuggets run associated with him. Um, but if he spends a year and a half on the Raptors putting up mid-numbers, um, you know, you might have a hard time trying to get anything for him when you're trying to maybe uh, trade him off right before his deal ends or something like that next year. So I'm uh, not sure about that one. Uh, the Boston Celtics are trading Donal, uh, Delano. Sorry, I always thought it was Donalo, Delano. Delano, uh, Delano Banton to the Portland Trailblazers for a heavily protected second round pick. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not exactly sure what that even means. Heavily, uh, regards to uh, or in respect to just a protected second round pick. But okay. Also, don't know what the Raptor are. Also, don't know what the Trailblazers are doing. Delano Banton is a fantastic G League player. Um, and a, it's not, I mean, he's just like not really an NBA player. He's more of one of those like two way guys. Um, he's played a few games, you know, he's played 24 games for the Celtics this season. Um, two points, two rebounds, uh, less than an assist in seven minutes a game. Um, so 
not a lot to go off of, but if you go and look at his G League numbers, I'm pretty sure he's actually a hell of a player at that level. Um, good size, long arms, 6'8", big, strong, uh, handsome, nice braids. So I don't know what they're going to do with him. Um, but, yeah. So oh, I, I can actually update the Bruce Brown Jr. thing, actually. Um, so the, the $23 million team option on Brown's 2024-25 contract gives the Raptors a lot of options in the offseason, I guess, because as, as a team option, they get to choose whether they want to, uh, you know, they get to they get to control his fate. So I suppose that's a that's a thing. The Portland Trailblazers are also sh- uh, signing a G Leaguer on a ten day. Okay, thank you, Woj. Um, and we are nearing sort of uh, the last like batch rounds of uh, trades that happened right here at the deadline. Um, got uh, we got Brooklyn finalizing a trade to send Royce O'Neal to the Phoenix for salary and three second round picks. This makes me happy. I'm happy watching the uh, Brooklyn Nets kind of offload some of these guys. And three second-round picks for Royce O'Neal is not bad, I don't think. So especially if those end up turning into some decently valued picks or end up being part of another trade for uh, something. I don't know if you just choose like a guy maybe instead of like a Mikhail Bridges, Cam Thomas uh, mid-duo. with. Um, uh, but yeah, sending him to the Suns, which... You know, the Suns have been slowly working their way back up from being, like, pitifully mediocre uh, mediocre to start off the season. They're up to the fifth seed. So, um, yeah, quality uh, quality 3 and D guy, I believe Royce O'Neal is. Um, a good size and uh, shooting, let's see, yeah, almost 37% on the year um, on what looks to be quite a lot of attempts, uh, or at least, like, to be considered high volume Um yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, I don't know. I don't believe in the Suns particularly that much anyways, but we can talk about that at a later date. Um, but sure, sure for that. Um, the uh, Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies are sending David Roddy to the Suns as well uh, as for, for a pick swap as part of a three-way, uh, three, three-way, oh my God, three-way with Phoenix and Brooklyn. So this is kind of like all part of a thing. Suns retain assets after this three-team deal for O'Neal and Roddy, including a second rounder and pick swaps. Um, So yeah, Uh, Memphis gets to get get a couple picks. Uh, The Suns will get um, two players and the uh, Nets will get some picks. So everybody's, uh, everybody, it's all copacetic. Everybody's good. Um, Okay. Guys, this is going to be, um, this is going to, I know this is a rough one for all people who love, um, Muse accounts of random players, but I, I actually am very surprised by this. The Detroit Pistons are releasing 2022 number seven pick Killian Hayes. Obviously the, the Pistons, um, parting ways with Killian Hayes is not the surprise. Um, the fact that they're just sort of waving him, that is, they're just like, yeah, you can go, buddy. You're good. Your services are no longer needed. And trust me, we tried calling. No one picked up the phone. They were not interested in hearing the, in hearing what they might have to give up for a Killian Hayes. So yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm all that surprised. I don't want to shit on the, on the dude too much. Um, because I'm sure he's a nice guy, but Killian Hayes has been one of the worst players in the NBA since being drafted. 
uh, horrifically inefficient on not numbers that even justify it in like a Jalen Green kind of way. Um, just, just very, very little um, upside or promise. Once every like 20 games, he would have like a good 20 plus game performance on good efficiency, but it was just so, so sporadic when those moments are that clearly I, it just wasn't in him to probably be that kind of guy consistently at any point. So yeah. Um, the, I just find it like kind of hilarious that they're waving him though entirely. Uh, so the, the Memphis, Memphis Grizzlies are expected to acquire Yuta Watanabe from the Suns as part of the three team trade as well, uh, with the Nets and, um, and, uh, Jesus, whoever else the last one was, it was, oh uh, yeah, Memphis, Memphis, uh, Suns and, uh, and Nets there. Um, sorry, I had a complete brain fart. Um, so yeah, Utah Watanabe was someone I was excited to see on the Nets. Um, he had he had been relatively uh, disappointing in his time with them so far, if I do believe so. Um, he's played uh, 29 games and has not shot the ball well, um, only on 13 minutes. But I think that clearly shows that he was not performing very well and couldn't really find a place in the rotation. Um, so yeah, he's been just not doing a whole lot, sitting on the bench a lot of time. Uh, so, you know, kind of sucks they weren't able to make that one work because, I mean, in in theory, what Utah Watanabe was coming off of last season, Utah Watanabe is a 6'9", 6'10", uh, like 3 and D guy shooting 45, 44.5% from 3 like he was last season. Um, but yeah, that, that efficiency did not translate and he was only doing it in 16 minutes a game. I thought he was playing more last season, but he only, he was doing it in only 16 minutes a game. Um, so just not a lot of impact and uh, value coming from him. So I get the sun's kind of moving on from him in a, uh, an attempt to retool their thing and figure that all out. Um, the Pacers are trading Marcus Morris now, who has only been on the Pacers for a few hours, uh, since the 76ers. He's, they're trading him the him to the uh, to the Spurs for Doug McDermott. I might have mentioned that already. I didn't know it was, it was Marcus Morris, but I did mention the Spurs getting uh, or the Pacers getting Doug McDermott. So maybe I did say that already. Um, apologies, but regardless, it doesn't really matter because the uh, Spurs are likely to buy out Marcus Morris, um, anyways. So yeah, doesn't really matter. Um, this is kind of funny because we talked about Spencer Dinwiddie getting traded. Um, Okay, sorry. Um, we talked about Spencer Dinwiddie getting traded to the Raptors. Well, they are planning to waive him because they want to avoid the $1.5 million upcoming contract bonus for games played. So, yeah, they would just rather save uh, a mil and a half than play him and have to pay him, play him and pay him. Um, so, that's really funny. I mean, it that definitely doesn't make Spencer Dinwiddie look great that they would literally rather wave him than pay that relatively unsubstantial amount um but on the upside it you know puts Dinwiddie in the buyout market and he can maybe be um picked up by uh, a team with um maybe more use for a guy like him than the Raptors who as I've said a million times already are just kind of doing a bunch of nothing um or are just not really sure yet so yeah and he hasn't been great so far this season but you know we'll see maybe he can maybe he can turn a turn a new leaf on a new team and go back to the the Spencer Dinwiddie of like 2021 or whatever. 
Um, the Warriors are trading Corey Joseph to the Pacers, and the Pacers are sending a second-round pick um, as well as cash. Um, or no, sorry, the Warriors are sending Corey Joseph and cash to the uh, Pacers in exchange for a second-round pick. Um, yeah, I mean, the Warriors are a bottoming-out team right now, and uh, Corey Joseph is... How much do you play? I mean, again, this is like I'm not. I'm gonna not pretend to to say there's more. Like there, there's more to say than there really is. Eleven minutes a game, poor efficiency, two and a half points in twenty six games. Obviously, wasn't really doing much in that rotation. Didn't really have a place. So, if you're not gonna use him, lose him. That's what I keep saying. So. Um, oh, and the Grizzlies have waived uh, Victor Oladipo. That literally happened 40 minutes ago. So, um, yeah, uh, in terms of me saying I don't really know what they, their use for Victor Oladipo is, well, there you go. Victor Oladipo is uh, is entering the buyout market. So maybe he can go to another team because he was last playing on the Heat um, where, I mean, he wasn't, like, fantastic. But, uh, yeah, regardless. Um, that I think, And I think with Victor Oladipo getting waived, that sort of – caps off the trade deadline and all of these crazy rapid some might even say vapid oh, sorry i'm just trying to rhyme uh moves um i love the trade deadline it's one of my absolute favorite times uh in the nba and uh just to see like all the uh all the moves and, and whatnot and so yeah crazy things um i think when the dust settles and we see who's actually going to be on certain teams for a while and how it looks we can maybe reevaluate maybe we can do a fun segment where we grade some of the best uh moves that were made at the deadline um but for now that is about all i have for not just my trade deadline segment but uh, for this episode um, I don't really have anything else to say, and uh, I don't really have um, much of an outro either to give you. Uh, uh, extracurricular things happening outside of basketball. Um, the Super Bowl is this Sunday in a couple of days, so that's going to be fun. I don't really have a, a team to root for, and I'm in general not really that much of a football guy, so um, I don't really care. But it's you know hopefully I'm just I'm just hoping it's a fun game. Um, I don't really know anything about this actually. Who's performing? Who's performing the halftime show? Halftime show Super Bowl. Oh right, it's Usher. Never mind, I knew that. Okay, whatever. Sure. Okay. Um. Yeah, it's what is it? It's 49ers versus uh, Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes looking for his third ring in in like five years uh, to to continue to add to his goat case, which is certainly a thing that's being built. I don't think it's even deniable. I mean, the amount of success he's had in such a limited amount of time um, is pretty incredible. Also, Travis Kelsey, you know, adds on to his his legacy. I know he's considered one of the very best at his positions, that being a tight end. Um, and shit, adding adding rings to the resume certainly helps a case, never hurts it. Um, so, yeah, I hope everybody is um, able to uh, enjoy that game that likes the Super Bowl or football. I hope everybody um, acts calmly and not like a weirdo when the broadcast shows Taylor Swift on screen. Um, in general, if you if you do not like Taylor Swift because she is ruining football for you, I think you need to reevaluate one, what are the things that are worthwhile criticizing Taylor Swift for? Because there certainly are plenty. Um, but 
funny enough, one of those things is not the 30 seconds that she takes up on uh, uh, on any given game that she's at, you know, like a three and a half hour broadcast. So people just need to stop being weird about that. And maybe if you're going to criticize her, criticize her for things that actually are worth it. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of people think that there's a script for this, uh, for the Chiefs to win for Travis Kelsey uh, to 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 win. Obviously, Taylor Swift just won Album of the Year, uh, and so if if uh, if Travis Kelsey wins a, a Super Bowl here a week later, this is really this is really 2024 is their year. They are making it their bitch um, and making every moment about them. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. America's couple, right? That's that's what they are. Um, 49ers don't really have any thoughts on them. I know, I know the big conversation around Brock Purdy, uh, Brock Purdy, sorry, uh, is that he's like a system guy. He's not really like a, uh, go out there and get it done on like my own, like ball IQ and like, I'm going to will plays into existence. He's, um, my friend said, uh, the term for that kind of quarterback is, a. Uh, a manager a field manager basically like you kind of need it all set up for you and then you go out and you're just sort of like the plug and play like a you're like basically an assistant coach that just comes out and and instructs the 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 play rather than um you know running some shit on your own and people seem to not like him for those reasons i don't really care of course because uh, i don't care um i'm probably rooting against the 49ers for blue ball and colin uh, colin kaepernick um so it's kind of forever fuck them for that um, but yeah, either way, I hope it's a good game and, uh, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I need to start getting better at these intro, uh, outros. Holy shit. I mean, I've always been bad at outros, but especially the last two episodes since coming back, um, I've literally just been going like, uh, and, uh, 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 to end it out because I've just been like, should I end it? Like, uh, fuck whatever. I've been really poor in that aspect. So apologies if you've even been listening at the end of those two hour episodes and are like, what is bro yabbering about? Anyways, this has been an hour and 40 minutes long as well. So with all of that being said, I hope you enjoyed episode seven of hoops hour. It was a delight to be here and, uh, give you all that information. I hope you enjoyed this is on Spotify. Now, if you are unaware and watching this on YouTube per chance, uh, um, we're gonna have clips later coming out of this and whatnot. And, uh, so I hope you all enjoyed and that's going to be it for me. Uh, until next time, take care.